God, help me to walk in your spirit. Help me to walk in your spirit today. Help me to make the decisions that that you want me to make and make them in the way that you want me to to make those. And we're going to see this as we get into this. Because he tells us, he gives us a command here, here in verse 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think it's amazing. When I got to, when I went to seminary and and my, one of my first classes and, and one of the first verses that I had to study out and spend a lot of time on was Galatians 5.16. God knew that, that this was going to be one that obviously I needed in my life, but it's one that every one of us believers need to realize, understand, memorize this thing. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is a command. And he tells us then as believers, and he's telling these believers, look, you have been listening to this deception. You've listened to these lies. You need to get back to understanding the freedom that you have in Christ, and you need to walk in the Spirit, commanding us to do so. And, and so in every day, uh, way that you conduct your life, and, 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 and you conduct your life by means of the Holy Spirit of God. Look, this is how people see that you are different. This isn't something that's registered by a list of, here are the independent fundamental Baptist rules that you must abide by in order for people to recognize and realize that you are a believer. That isn't what it is. What it is is what God in the Holy Spirit and you in an open mind and a humble heart First of all, knowing him as your Savior, and then secondly, saying, God, I want to follow you, and I want to do what it is that you want me to do, then he will show you today what it is that he wants you to do, and how he wants you to behave. And you walk according to that spirit. You start to make a decision. Lord, help me with this decision. You have someone come to you and say, hey, uh, Megan, I want to know what you think about this. Okay, Lord, help me to... What, what do I think about this? What do you want me to tell them? I, I, our, our kids come to us and say, Dad, what do you think? Or, or Dad, what is this? Or, you know, whatever. Lord, give me wisdom to, to make the right statement here and to, to guide my children in the way that I ought to. Lord, help me to make the right decisions in, in, in all the things that we do. You think about how many decisions you make in a day. Thousands. Thousands. Somebody just made a decision to spill something up there. I just heard that. <clears throat> So now you have a decision, do I clean it up? Do I sweep it under the rug and don't tell the helper that's up there? I mean, you just think about it. There's just decision after decision that that you have to make every day and and here. So he's given us this command, and he says, walk in the Spirit. That's the command. The result, if you walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he is emphatic. This in the Greek, we always uh, tease about this, but it's ume. If you were to ever hear someone speaking in Koine Greek, they say ume. And, and ume means that you will never be fulfilling the lust of the flesh when you are walking in the Spirit. You want to have, have victory over your flesh? Walk in the Spirit. You want to have the right decisions in, in your life? Walk in the Spirit. You want to get rid of the stress in your life? 
Walk in the Spirit. You want to get rid of the anxiety that's in your life? Walk in the Spirit. You want to get rid of the fear that is dominating your life? Walk in the Spirit. You want to to, to defeat discouragement in your life? Walk in the Spirit. You want to save your marriage? Walk in the Spirit. You want your children to be what they need to be? Walk in the Spirit as a parent. Do you want to be what, what you need to be at work? Then walk in the Spirit every moment of every day. And you can see that you can walk and you can live victoriously. And this has nothing to do with any kind of rules whatsoever. And that's what he was telling them. Look, they have gotten you so boggled up and so mind, mindless and thinking you've got to do all these things in order to please God. You have forgotten that the Holy Spirit of God is the one that's doing the work in your life. And He's the one that knows everything. And He knows exactly what you need right now. And He knows exactly what you need to be doing to honor and please God. So you walk with Him. And He will never, ever lead you contrary to what His Word says. It will always be biblical in what you're doing. And oh, the the command and, and here... Don't, don't throw it all away by making this list of, of rules that man has made. But you live according to what God has said. And you live according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? That, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to exactly what Teresa is saying in that hymn. It has to get to a point. None of self and all of thee. That's what it has to come down to. It has to come down to where, God, I really want this. And God is saying, no, you don't. Okay. I don't want it. And you walk away from it. And you do what it is that God wants you to do. Hey, I, I have this reputation to uphold. No, you don't. You need to walk in the Spirit. And you need to do what it is that God wants you to do. Quit worrying about what everybody else is thinking. Quit worrying about what all the rules are that other people have set up. You walk according to the Spirit of God. That's how we defeat these things. That's what he's telling them. Well, and then he goes on, and and now he's going to, to describe the battle that goes on. And so we have the, con- the command, but now we have the conflict in verses 17 and 18. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. And, and ultimately what he's saying, look, these guys that have infiltrated into this church, into your church, and they're telling you all of these things that, that, that you need to live by the flesh, you need to do all of these things by the flesh in order to please God, they are wrong. And it's a battle that you're going to have to do with your life every day. Because here the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and then the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So here, they're in opposition of one, one another, and it is a hostile environment. And if you are a believer, this is what he's saying, and you want to walk in the flesh, the Holy Spirit is going to be contradicting you and telling you no. Well, and so then you say, okay, the command is I'll walk in the Spirit, so I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Okay, that's good, but the flesh is going to say, uh uh-uh. I don't want any part of that. I want to do this. I want to raise my ugly head of pride. I, I want to bring back the jealousy. 
I want to bring back the, the hurt feelings and the bitterness and, and bring all of those things back. And I want to live by that. Or I want this in my life. And, and God says, no, you don't want that in your life. Yes, I do want this. And, and there it is, the struggle. And it is real. And it's every day for everybody. You, you sitting there, don't look around and think, man, that guy's just got it together over there. And I really wish that that I could be like him. No, you don't. (laughs) And so we struggle together, but we win the battle together by being reminded that this is a hostile environment. And then he makes a statement, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Spirit gets rid of the law. The Spirit gets rid of the idea that that it's just the doing, doing, doing that pleases God. That it's a quality of doing that comes from the heart. Now, I'm not saying that, 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 that we live in a, 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 I don't know, a licentious way, and, and by that, just no holes bar, you can go live however way that you want to and, and, and be as reprobate as you want to, and, and all is good. That isn't what God says to do. God forbid that you think that you could ever do that and question your heart and question your salvation if you were to ever think that. And so that isn't what he's saying. But I am saying that, that you can't just make a list of, of things, and some of you are, are very organized people, okay? So maybe you do battle with some of this, where, where you, you, whether you write it out or whether you have it in your mind, I must do this list of things to please God. And when I don't do this list, then I am upsetting God and I'm not doing right. You know what it's got to come down to? It's got to come down to where you are just guarding your heart and God, I'm not going to be concerned about the list today. All I'm going to be concerned about is walking today by your Spirit. And I want to think about you. And I want to think about what I'm doing and saying today. Is it pleasing to you? Are the things that are are my thoughts today pleasing to you? Are there there actions in my life that that are not pleasing to you that I need to change? I I just, today, there's no list, there's no thoughts other than I'm going to get out of bed today and I am going to walk with you today in every area, whatever it may be. I want to honor and glorify you in all of those things. And, and for time, I'm going to do it anyway. You're going to have to hang with me, but go to Romans chapter 8. Paul, Paul explains this well in a couple of different passages here in Romans. Romans chapter 8, first of all, and I, and I want to read uh, uh, the first nine verses here in chapter 8. Uh, very encouraging chapter uh, that we have uh, here in Romans 8. Makes a statement right off the bat, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Do you realize that? Do you realize that that point in time in your life when you humbly went to Christ and you asked Him to forgive you and to come into your heart and to save you, that from that point on there is therefore now no condemnation from God for our sins. Praise the Lord. That has been settled on the cross of Calvary. Have you settled that in your heart today? Make certain that you have. 
Make certain that there's been a time in your life where you have called upon Christ to be your Savior. I'm not talking about you just know things in your head. I mean you have from your heart truly called out to Him, asking Him to forgive you and to come into your heart and to be your Savior. When you have done that by faith, there is therefore now no condemnation. Look, we, we walk our lives and, and many walk their lives and, 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 and have been forgiven of that sin and they still beat themselves up every day of the shame of that and of the regrets that it has brought in their life and the results of those things. And they, and they look at those things and they say, I can't come back from that and there's no way. Look, I want you to know you are condemning yourself for something that God has forgiven. And get on your way. And walk and live for Him and serve Him because there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Look, one that constantly, constantly, habitually, every day, day in, day out, never has any kind of victory in their lives whatsoever and they are walking in the flesh then they are, if they're, they walk like a duck and they quack like a duck, then they're a duck. Okay? That's just the way it is. Everybody wants to say, well, you can't judge me. I don't have to. The scriptures do. And the scriptures don't lie. Now, what I do for God and in my walk is going to be far different than everybody else's. There may be someone that's newly saved or Maybe they've been saved a long time, but they're completely ignorant to the Scripture because they ha- haven't been in a church or, or they haven't read or grown and they're hearing things for the first time. And, and you know what you do as a pastor? You just look at their feet. Which way are their feet headed? Well, they're headed towards God. It's kind of like this, but they're going that way. You praise the Lord for it. If you look at them and they're headed straight the other way, then you also know how to pray for them. And you pray that one day they'll wake up and understand they need to trust Christ as their Savior. You can't continue to live like an unsaved person and say that you're saved and do absolutely nothing in your life because that, that shows that you are a child of God because the Holy Spirit of God that indwells in you is far too powerful. You know that sign of the... of a a believer, you may look at their feet and think, man, I don't know, but then you see the conviction in their life. You see the remorse. You think, that's a good sign. They're either being convicted that they need to trust Christ or they're being convicted, hey, I need to get out of this because I am a child of God and I don't need to be living that way. I need to get out of it. I I don't have to sit here on some some podium and, and some you know, and start naming everything off that bugs me. God's really good at pointing out to you what your sin is and what you need to get rid of in your life. And he does a really good job of it in all of our lives. But here he goes on, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. You see, the law could never help us be saved. All all it does is point out to us that we're sinners. It can't save us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, 
How is that? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so now we see, first of all, talking about an unsaved person, an unsaved person, doesn't matter how moral you might be, how good you might be in comparison to everybody around you, you still fail in the eyes of God. Not because he's some judgmental ogre that's sitting up there, but because he is holy and righteous and good and perfect in all ways. And and whenever you are not covered by the blood of Christ, all he sees is you in all of your sin. And you'll never please God. You won't please God. You might do what God wants you to do because he still controls you whether you like it or not. But you're not doing anything to please him until you come to him and trust him as your Savior. And we all need to do that. We need to make certain of that. And that and, but then also, as a, as a believer, we do battle every day with that carnal mind, don't we? <laughs> Let's not go back. Let's not live the way that we used to live. But let us live in the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to live. And he'll show us exactly what that is. So there is such a struggle. You look at that struggle in chapter 7. And I I know it's going to be long, but I'm going to read this, and I'm just going to pray the Holy Spirit uses it for you, all right? Paul's writing this. Paul, the apostle. Paul, that wrote over half of the... Uh, of the New Testament. Paul, that, that saw hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of people saved and, and, and stood up for his faith and, and, and was, was stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and, and I mean, had to be uh, uh, ushered out of cities before they killed him and, and mobbed and, I mean, slandered and ridiculed and all of these things. Here is Paul that, that writes this and he says, Know ye not, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law, speaking to Jews, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man." Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Even as that woman is, is dead to that law when her husband uh, dies, here, here he goes on to say that you are dead to the law by the body of Christ. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you're dead to all of those laws, all of the handwriting of ordinances that have been brought up against you. And wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law of the body, by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that you should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. 
look, the thing that God has always wanted, even in the Old Testament, and He still wants it today, is He wants you to serve Him, to love Him from the heart. It's not about all that you're doing. It's about why are you doing it? Why are you being who it is that you are being? That shows the condition of your heart, does it not? Oh, I think it does. Every day. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So do you you understand? For that which I do, I really don't want to do that. And for those things that I wish to do, that do I not. But that which I hate, that's what I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. You're not going to find it in your flesh. You're not going to find it by abiding by the law. The law is just going to show you that you're a sinner. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Oh, in the heart, in the heart I delight. I delight in God. I delight in His law. I delight in all that He is and all that He wants. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from, this, from the body of this death? This is Paul saying this and seeing the battle that he is dealing with every day. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. In essence, I'm going to fight this battle till the day I die. That's what Paul said. But I thank God for His grace. What does he thank God for His grace for? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. God knows the battle. God knows the battle that's going on in our mind, that's going on in our body, 
And look, you, you know the, the reason that many of us as believers are losing the battle with our body is because you are not allowing the Holy Spirit of God to control the mind. And we have allowed sin to take us captive, and you have allowed what, whatever the, the addiction may be, whatever the, the, the thing, the sin, that, that your pet sin that keeps causing you to stumble, that, that you have allowed that to become such a Goliath in your mind, and in, in, in right here in your mind and your heart, that you are telling God, God, there is no way that I can win this battle. And God is saying, no, you can't win the battle, but I can. And you need to get rid of the shame, you need to get rid of the guilt, and you need to put in its place victory that I will give to you by walking in the Spirit. We will deal with sin and the struggle and the battle every day until we die. But we can have victory. And it comes through Christ. And we can know that there is no condemnation. And so now we go back to this conflict and and we see that conflict, but we also see the contrast. And I'm going to read through this quickly. And now he goes on and he starts examining the, the flesh. How, how wicked can our flesh get? Well, it can get pretty vile. You look at this and it says, and, and the fight's going. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're exposed. They're, 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 they're brought out into the public. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication, which is all kinds of pornography, whatever it may be. Do you know that pornography is, is like, a, I, I can't remember, like $30 billion a year is what pornography makes. And it is wreaking havoc upon our families. It is controlling people's minds and their hearts. There, there, are, there, there, are, there are kids that Tyler told me he dealt with a kid last summer, 10 years old, that was hooked on pornography. Don't sit here and say, oh, it couldn't be my kid. How do you know? How do you know? Men, you're sitting here, 70% sitting in here have a problem with pornography. Don't tell me it's not a problem. It's a vile and it's a wicked thing. You need to control your, you know how you control your flesh? How you control your eyes from looking at those things? You let the Holy Spirit of God control your mind. Ladies, you are not a piece of meat. You have been designed by God. And you need to treat your body like it's been designed by God. And you need to take care of that. And you need to guard that. And you need to share that only with your husband. It ain't nobody else's business. Man, I, I just have to keep my mouth shut. I, I saw some lady had some article on Facebook this week and, and, about, and, and the statement was made that, that my daughter or women can dress however way that they want to and that shouldn't be any kind of an impact on what guys do. Look, I, I don't mean to be crude about this, but if you are going to act like an animal and you expect to, and you expect to be treated like an animal, you're going to get treated like an animal. And that is the basis of all behavior. We need to be careful with that. Oh, how wicked it is and how vile our society is today. And no, I'm not saying that we all walk around and look like a bunch of Amish. <laughs> I grew up in that. Well, all around it, right? But I'm telling you, we need to be careful. 
of, of how we act on both sides. Pornography, fornication, uncleanness is any kind of filth and impurity. I, I know I, I get myself in trouble with this kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, homosexuality is an impurity. Homosexuality is wrong and been condemned by God from day one and is an abomination. And it's a sin just like pride, just like lying, just like stealing, just like anything else that we commit. It is wrong. And the day that I stand in this pulpit and say, well, that's what the Bible says, but we're not going to practice it, you need to shoot me. I don't want to be voted out. I just want to be shot. Because wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter. Sin is vile and wicked, and we need to get rid of all of it. A lasciviousness. Live in however way that you want. Wanting disregard of any kind of moral standards. You know, it is, it is the truth, is it not? I think back in the 70s and, and, and uh, you know, thank you Woodstock. You know, Woodstock seemed to be the, the beginning of all of that trash and that junk that was, that was coming out. And, but, but still, there was much of that, that that you confessed and you dealt with and you got rid of it and you were ashamed of it. And now they put on a parade and marked right down Main Street with all this trash. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Yeah. Do we not see that in our country today? Look, just because I'm against someone's sin doesn't mean I'm against them. I hate my sin just as much as I hate anybody else's. And just because I hate the sin doesn't mean they hate the sinner. You want to come and get things right with God? Praise the Lord. I'm all about it. Whatever it may be. I don't care what you've done in the past. I want you to know that Christ will forgive you if you trust Him. And that's what we want. But here, the variance. And when we think of uh, variance, strife, discord, contention, fightings, emulations are the same as, as, as jealousy. You're jealous and envying others. Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Heresies are factions that split things up. Envyings, murders, drunkenness. Uh, you want to see the drunkenness? You want to see the devastation of drunkenness? Go ask to do a ride-along with a police officer for just a little while. And, and you can see the devastation of what drunkenness will do. I, 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 saw a, I saw a young lady. I think she was young. I'm not quite sure now. But, I mean, a mess and a big old black eye. And she was talking about how bad her weekend was. And that at the end of it, she got beat up. You know, you can go into the Proverbs and it talks about drunkenness. There is nothing godly that alcohol will do in your life, ever, ever. I'm not going to stay on it long, but I'm, I'm telling you, if every one of you would have counseled as many people as I have, that their families, their lives, their marriages, their jobs have been destroyed because of that nasty puke stuff, you'd never touch it. You'd never touch it. And I, I, don't, I don't know, and I praise the Lord, I don't believe that any of my kids, you know, they don't do it, okay? Because they know that if they did, 
I'm coming in their house, and I'm destroying it. I'll get arrested. That's okay. They're going to have to go out and buy it all over again because I'm going to take it all. Blow the whole house up if I have to. It's vile. Drunkenness. And, and don't give me that, well, you can, you can do it in moderation. Baloney. Well, you can gargle gasoline in moderation too and see how that works. <clears throat> I did the funeral. I did the funeral for Joe Reams. Joe Reams was a high school kid. That He, he was older than me. He, he was in between my sister and, and my age. And so Debbie, my sister, uh, 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 ran with, with Joe's sister. And so I knew Joe. Little town, 389 people. Joe got hooked on alcohol. Then Joe got hooked on drugs. And Joe went across Highway 65 coming into town, obliterated, completely out of his mind in the drugs and the alcohol, got hit, T-boned by a semi, pushed the car off into the ditch, and he wasn't dead until the car caught on fire and he was burned alive. And you go and you, and you, go and you tell his mom, who had come here from Germany, who could barely speak English, and you have to tell her, Anissa, your son has died. And you can't tell her how he died, just that he was in a car accident. Yeah, I hate this stuff. I hate the alcohol. Don't ever come to me and try to justify any kind of drinking of it. It doesn't work. And, and when you have... And, and it does take me off. When you have some puke stand in the, in the pulpit as a pastor and say that it's okay, I'm sorry, I'm just about ready to be disqualified from the ministry because I'd just love to give him a right hook. It destroys people's lives. How many people have you taken out of a car dead because of alcohol? Man, I don't want no part of it. I don't want any of you to have any part of it. I'm not here judging you, but I am telling you as a shepherd and as a friend and as somebody that cares for you, it will destroy you. And I don't want to have to clean up the mess. But I will. I will. Strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, carousing, etc. <laughs> That was my son. I heard that. <laughs> and such like, of which time I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things should not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a representation of someone that does not know Christ as their Savior. If they are habitually doing that. Look, there may be some of you that have had a real fit trying to give some of those things up. I'm not talking to you in this situation. I'm talking to the one that lives this way every day. But the one that is doing battle and trying to get this out of their lives, you know the conflict that I'm talking about here. Oh, the spirit and the mind is saying, I don't want to do it. I want to do the things that God wants me to do. And the flesh is saying, man, I need that and i got to have it. And I'm going to get it any way that I can. We're here to help. We all have those issues. We all need help in getting rid of those things in our lives. 
but the fruit of the Spirit. Look at this. I mean, you think about all the disruption that all those things were bringing, and then the fruit of the Spirit, just reading this, is calming. It seems to be. Fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a love that only God can give you for your spouse, for your children, and especially for your neighbors. It's only something that God can give you. A love, a joy, a joy. Knowing, knowing that the sun will shine tomorrow. Knowing that Christ is always there. Knowing that my eternity has been settled. Truly a joy and a peace and a long-suffering and a gentleness. That's, that gentleness is the three seconds we give that guy to call 911 before we regress, right? No, it truly is a gentleness, a kindness, a goodness, a faith, a meekness, and a temperance, one of self-control. He says, against such there is no law. There is no law that states those. That's the fruit that is produced by the Spirit. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. What is crucifixion? Nailing it to the cross. Christ, you died for my alcoholism. Christ, you have died for my drug addiction. Christ, you have died for my pornography. Christ, you have died for my pride. Christ, you have died for, for my anxiety, my discouragement, my depression, my lack of faith. God, you have, you have died for everything. Every issue that I have in my heart, in my mind, everything that I have been, been manifesting to everybody around me, Jesus, you have died for that. And Lord, I am nailing it on your cross and I'm going to walk in the Spirit today. And I'm going to do what it is that you want me to do and you only. We nail it to the cross. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you're going to say it, and you are, then be it. Nothing worse. Nothing worse than a hypocrite. Nothing worse that is more damaging to your testimony, to Christ, to his church, than to say one thing and do something else. If you're going to live it, then walk it. How do you walk it? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. And in that, let us not be desirous of vainglory. Quit being conceited. Quit thinking that you got it all together and then now you are looking down upon all the other peasants who do not have the victory that you have and realize that we're in the same boat together and we help each other. And not only don't be desirous of vainglory, but don't be provoking one another. 
I'm always teasing my wife. I, uh, you know, I razz her on something, get her kind of wound up. And I say, look, it tells me in the scripture to provoke one another. Now, in this case, it's a negative context. The other one, it does say provoking one another. What's the rest of that say? In love and good works. Oh, well, we forget to leave that out. We're just a good Mormon. We'll just take it out of context, all right? <clears throat> Provoking one another, envying one another. There isn't anything to be jealous of. Sometimes we catch ourselves thinking, man, like I said, I, I just want to be like him. No, you don't. You want to be exactly what God wants you to be. And he's in that same process as you. We get together and we help each other. And let us be that kind of a church. Takes people where they are and helps them to get where they need to be. And in the process, we love them. We're long-suffering. We're gentle. We're kind. And we help each other. Help each other and then, look, we better get used to each other because we're going to spend all eternity together. So we might as well get a good start today, right? So how do we do this? Walk in the Spirit. It's not a list. It's not a list that you try to accomplish. It's one thing. One thing. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Let's help each other to do that. It always starts with salvation. Do you know Him? Are you certain that you know Him? I'm not talking about knowledge here, but I'm talking about a humility that you have come to him and by faith you have cried out and you are trusting him for your salvation and then walk in the spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love and your long suffering that you have given to me. We were mentioning it before church today with some friends and thinking that him, Jesus loves even me. And Lord, I cry out and thank you that you love even me. Lord, that struggle that Paul gave to us in Romans 7, thank you for inspiring him to write that so that we know that it is a struggle and a fight that we all have and that we're all in this together. And it tells us that a cord of three is hardly broken. So help us. Help us to love you, to walk in the Spirit, to encourage others around us to walk in the Spirit. We gain strength from each other. We gain strength from you. And that, Father, we'll be the kind of people and we'll be the body of believers that you will use to change the world. And I pray that you stir in the hearts of each one who's here. Lord, if there is a decision they need to make, whatever it may be, before they leave here, even as we're singing this hymn, that they do business with you and get things right with you. Help us to walk out of here and be used powerfully for you, your honor, and your glory. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.